one, two, a one, two, three, go. Brad and Ned's top five everything. We're here. We are back. We're back again. for round two. I was going to say round three. Yeah, round, round three, three round of two. yeah, round three of uh, top five elections. Once again, we have completely abandoned the fiveness because I think I think we're going to do one each today. Yeah, so which will make six, it six six elections. So as close to five as we've it's ever got. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah, and who knows? I may fiddle with the computer and delete <laughs> yeah, everything I, this time, and we may only have five. five. Yeah. 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 Well, I hope not because tonight I really like the way we're wrapping up yeah. tonight. Yeah. Uh, I like what we've got. We're we've both... got the good. We've got the bad. Yeah. You take do. them both, and there, there you have. have. The facts, of, uh, facts of elections. Yeah. No, I think we have uh, two. Well, yours is actually it. Well, it culminates in one election, but it's a series yeah. of elections. Yeah. Uh, and mine, you know, they they sort of indicate, you know, the birth of a true democracy and the eradication of a true democracy. Yeah. All in, you know, one happy episode. It's m- what more could you ask for in a podcast? Probably not much. It's, I think it's, it's the alpha, right the omega. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. This is Kingdom this Trump. is yeah. yeah. This is like. Uh, the Ulysses of, um, of, podcasts. of podcasts. Yeah. Well, you know, don't Except a little it. more. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little more coherent. You want to turn shorter. back a bit. No, no. no I think this is. is a modernist masterpiece that we're creating right now. It's a million times better than a thousand Super Bowls. <laughs> yes. I don't oversell it. Just listen to yourselves. Okay. So I'm going to start off. So we're going to start off with the good. Yep. Uh, because the bad is actually, I think, somewhat historically relevant today. And yeah. could lead to a broader It's kind of sad to think that the good is not. It is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So I'm going to take us back to 1994 to the Republican, the Republic of South Africa general election. Good choice. So what was unique about this election? So we've described our, you know, our, our criteria for top five elections to have some sort of impact or be interesting. Yeah. Uh, this one, I don't know. It's a little bit of both. Obviously, the impact is is significant, but nothing really crazy happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, but I mean, maybe that's the the impact is that is because it didn't nothing, create yeah, chaos it's a good point. And, yeah. and craziness. Which I guess we should probably explain why it was an, uh, at such impact. So this was the so up until nineteen ninety four. South Africa, and I don't have the population breakdown of South Africa, but I it's a predominantly uh, black population. Yes. You know, a small white ruling class that had ruled the republic uh, since the the Boer republics were formed into the into the Union of South Africa, and uh, had ruled under the regime known as the apartheid regime. So blacks were disenfranchised; they couldn't vote, despite being the largest. Uh, population block and being the indigenous population block too like of of the country to talk about south africa of the 1980s is to talk about a lot of violence a lot of public uh, unrest and a lot of protest rightfully so so in cities like johannesburg uh there was almost daily uh violent protests going on uh the regime the republican uh regime at the time uh bota yeah was the president at the time uh, was using pretty significant levels of violence yes. to put down these this uh, these protests, as well the sort of secret police state police infrastructure was um, uh, very concerning in its behavior, yeah. <laughs> not acting very democratically, um, and so a lot of the leadership of the various uh, groups that were leading the anti-apartheid uh, movement, like uh, Nelson Mandela, for instance had been imprisoned on 
trumped up charges and uh, uh, and were still actually in jail in the 1980s. And uh, there was movements to have them released, movements to uh, to eradicate uh, apartheid and grant universal adult suffrage throughout South Africa. This didn't happen through Bota's regime. And it wasn't until um, the leader of the National Party, uh, Bota, stepped down and the new leader, F.W. De Klerk, ah, De Klerk, yeah, De Klerk okay. came yeah. in. And he um, was by all measure still a, a conservative, like small C conservative, uh, much like Bota. Um, he certainly had a lot of knowledge because I think he was in his cabinet and he had no shortage of knowledge of the uh, shenanigans that were going on by the state police and things of this nature. Uh, he, he never once really apologized, even after the inc- yeah. after the, the elections of 94, he never really apologized uh, fully for the apartheid regime. He kind of did, but not really. Uh, regardless, he after he assumed uh, leadership and then the 89 election where he confirmed his, his, uh, his uh, mandate to govern, he started dismantling it, and this uh, led to a um, in ninety it, it commenced and and it culminated in ninety four. Well, in the early nineties, the release of Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela would then go on to lead the ANC, the African National Congress. I yes, believe it's called yes, Congress. Yeah, yeah, which was a amalgam of the South African Communist Party yeah. and another uh, regional party. I yeah, think I think I think there were a few. I can't. I couldn't was, give you the the exact. There was two. I think that blended to make the ANC, and he ended up being leader of the ANC and running against De Klerk in uh, in the ninety four election. So it's funny to look at the uh, the South African um, uh, House of Representatives, if you will, prior in the eighty nine election because yeah. I think it had like 160, 178 representatives. In the '94 election, it had 400. Okay, so they they basically doubled the, more than the number doubled. of seats. Yeah, more than yeah. doubled the number of seats because you have uh, more than doubled the number, number of, of voting electorate. Okay, yeah. so so they didn't just you know attach more electorate to individual seats. They had to, they which probably makes sense because I mean you would have had places that probably were that's interesting. Had never had any representation, representation at, at all. Yeah, because it was so predominantly. Oh, yeah. Uh, like exclusively yes. black, yeah. Like this the whole areas of South Africa had never had a representative, hmm. uh, in in the in the house. Or yeah, I never really thought of the mechanics of how this would work, and it's yeah just seems even stranger when you when you think about it in the sort of the nitty gritty. Yeah, that could be a whole podcast on yeah. its own is how they sort of had to re not rewrite the constitution. Well, to some degree, rewrite yeah. the constitution because apartheid I don't think was a was part of the constitution. It was just more of a policy. And then to sort of uh, expand uh, the number of seats in order to to accommodate now the full uh, adult suffrage of the, yeah. of the state of South Africa was, yeah, a pretty impressive feat. So we end up jumping to 400 uh, seats. I have the breakdown here. Of so now is this the 90? So this is 94. 94. Nelson Mandela is running for president or running for prime minister? He's running for president. Sorry. So, yes. So, so is there is there so the they, parliamentary they, and they, the, they the presidential election? Yes, I see. Okay. Yes, exactly. I see. So he's leadership of the leader of the of the party that will eventually win the majority of seats. Yeah. He wins two hundred and fifty two out of four hundred seats with uh, like a sixty almost sixty three percent. Yeah. Popular vote. This seems fairly obvious. Yeah. What was the turnout like? Eighty seven percent. Quite impressive, actually. Uh, De Klerk. Uh, the National Party still wins 82 seats, and the I'm going to mispronounce this Inkatha Freedom Party. 
God, that's a name I haven't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It won. Uh, it again. Uh, you know, predominantly black party had yeah. ever run before. Won forty three seats. Okay. Um, there were still a, there was a couple of holdouts. The Democratic Party, which was the traditional. Uh, opposition party to the yeah. national. So that would have party. been the, the white opposition party. That would have been the white opposition yeah. party traditionally. It uh, uh, won seven seats, which, which was a loss of 26. Yeah, well. So it had a yeah. dramatic drop off. Probably because all of their supporters went over to the ANC. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, if there was any white South Africans yeah. who opposed apartheid, they yeah. obviously voted ANC. And then the um, there was another party uh, that did win seats. Well, it was a couple, but there was another one that was a new party that came in, the Freedom Front Party. Hmm. Uh, it was pretty conservative. Oh, right. oh, <laughs> yeah, oh okay. Yeah, it was Freedom yeah. Front in that sort of like... Uh, in the sense of like freedom white, fries kind white, of, white yes. people yeah, freedom, yeah. you know, yes. because they're okay. feeling very threatened, uh, led by Constrand uh, to Vil- Viljon. I don't sure. know. Who knows? Great. But I mean, South that's Africans interesting. Call in former uh, South African Army Chief of Staff. Well, actually. yeah, because yeah. I mean, South Africa, you know, um, up until probably the mid to late 80s was, you know, on the forefront of the fight for freedom, you know, the anti-communist, I might say South yeah, Africa, I mean, the white South Africa quote, regime, yeah, exactly. you know, they were, they were involved in fighting in Angola yep. and Botswana and Namibia. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and I mean, the Western governments were, had no problem. To well, some no, I'm sorry, started, that's overstating it. That that's started to change. Yeah. Actually, and interesting, it was Brian Mulroney that helped lead that yeah. movement, actually, to sort of, and he, he convinced Margaret Thatcher. Thatcher was very ambivalent about turning Th- her Thatcher back Thatcher was on. very yeah. ambivalent about it. Yeah. And it was Mulroney that convinced her, like, no, we, we have a higher moral uh, plane here we need to be operating yeah. on. And, and yeah, we understand anti-communism, like we're, you know, still in the height of the Cold War here in the 80s, but... Uh, this just is not appropriate yeah. what's happening in South Africa. So um, so that's the breakdown of the election. Uh, what's interesting with their constitution as it was drafted afterwards for this election, if you won more than 20 seats, uh, you got appointed into the government. The leader. Oh, yeah. okay. So uh, de Klerk, uh, yeah. who ended up winning the second most seats, actually became the deputy president i didn't realize that was the reason it came out like yeah that. i knew i knew it was a and i don't know a coalition if they're a, or a mixed government of yeah some sort. it always was so yeah it, or now it had to be if you had over 20 seats you had to bring a certain percentage of the parties that had over 20 seats into the government so de clerk ends up being a deputy president Right. Which is interesting when you think of it. Because yeah. now Mandela's president and he had been part of the government. Uh, that imprisoned him. That had imprisoned yeah. him. Yeah. And now he's essentially working for him as deputy president. Apparently the two, I, I mean, the Clark is probably, Mandela, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, so much written, so much should be written yeah. about him. Um, I f- Find the clerk a strangely interesting character in this story. I yeah, and I, I mean, hate to admit that. Is that he he's South the Africa's, interesting one? Yeah, is he South Africa's Gorbachev? Right. I mean, yeah, that's a, I don't know. Yeah, because he because I should point out Gorbachev is widely disliked in Russia. Yeah, right. And yeah. there was a lot of uh, white South Africans, Afrikaans, like sort of traditions yeah. who really. Um, obviously with the Freedom Party formed, like a lot of the most conservative, the most right wing moved to that party and sort of abandoned de Klerk. Uh, a lot of white South Africans really hated him for, for what he did, for what he did, for abandoning apartheid and granting uh, un- uh, universal adult suffrage. Do you know why he did it? I mean, 
did it seem inevitable? I mean, you know, I don't know. For me, I think... as a what, a, an eighteen-year-old, as yeah, a, I a remember, fairly, fairly. I remember person, this very well. It yeah. seemed inevitable in was, light of everything that was, was happening in Eastern Europe. So, you know? I, yeah, that and just what had happened through the eighties in South Africa. Yeah, like the violence was out of control, and and it, or the or the like the public uh, the protests and, yeah. and the and uh, the violence against them. It was every night. I remember this as a kid. Yeah. And this was every night on the news, like in these in these townships of Johannesburg. And I had no idea where this. I had no real cognizant of idea of where this country was, or or, or I understood. Really, it, its name didn't give you a hint. South Africa. Well, you never know. Yeah, yeah you know, like, there's a South yeah. Dakota, but yeah, true. You know, it could be an East Upper one. Volta. Yeah, <laughs> who knows where yeah. that is. No, I mean, like truly, I didn't really know anything about South Africa. I mean, I didn't really have an understanding of. Yeah, okay, geographically, it's a bit of a dead giveaway, but I didn't understand. I knew apartheid was wrong, but I didn't know, really know much about it, and I didn't really understand uh, any of the issues. Uh, is de Klerk South Africa's Gorbachev? That's, uh, it's a fair question. It seems like it. It wasn't just the dismant, uh, dismantling of the apartheid regime. He also got rid of South Africa's nuclear weapon arsenal because they were a nuclear power. That's right. It's so weird that the they 80s. were. I mean, they were certainly a regional hegemon. Like, they were very much. But they the were, fact that they were a nuclear independent were a nu- nuclear, independent power, nuclear power. So strange. They had their own like uh, significant. How did they get their own bomb? I'm, th- we're going to go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. On, like, like South Africa's Crazy nuclear. Crazy South Africa yeah. pre eighties, uh, and if, and also like they had. Uh, one of the most significant arms trade, uh, arms industries, arms yes. export industries, yes. uh, mainly with Israel, because these were the two uh, sort of uh, not per, you know they weren't really pariahs, but you know they're the, the, a lot they, of people they weren't going to similar trade. interests. They in, had yeah. problems. You yeah, know, let's just leave it at that. And so they were uh, like a lot of artillery. Oh, and Iraq actually had a lot of South African uh, weaponry in its arsenal in uh, during the first Gulf War in '91. Um, yeah, so they've got a sizable military and, and, and military complex, industrial complex going. But it, uh, yeah, he worked very hard, uh, declared to dismantle that. Hmm. I don't know why. I, I, I'm yeah. sure that the spirit of the times was there. The 90s and Cold War is ending. Uh, communism is now gone. I mean, was it, I guess, guess what we want to know is, was it a moral impulse that made him do this? Or was it sort of a cold calculation that South Africa... Can't so in, survive. In 93, 92 or 93, he did, it was after Mandela was released, and it became apparent that Mandela was going to run, uh, was going to be leader of the ANC. And de Klerk did uh, provide, or maybe it was afterwards during the Truth and Reconciliation Commissions, de Klerk um, gave a speech and apologized uh, for apartheid, but it was done in a way where he was like apologizing about it in principle. Yes. Like he was almost like, well, we kind of had to do it. It, it. Yeah, it was wrong, but you have to see it from our perspective. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. So he doesn't get away from this scot free. I think I remember that. I think it was the truth and reconciliation. I think it was truth I'm, and I'm reconciliation. Not, I'm not 100% yeah. certain. Yeah. But yeah, and I think that sort of kind of attitude is why he was never embraced as a Gorbachev. And also yeah. because you had Mandela, who was clearly the hero oh, in this situation. Mandela yeah. is here, and I feel yeah. kind of bad about you know having this po- uh, yeah, podcast on the 94 the election. South Africa, we talk about declared. But I do find him... Uh, I, I don't understand why he did what in many did. ways you know the villains are often the more interesting characters it's in, uh, very true isn't yeah it? very true um regardless uh so what did a democracy so born a democracy a born, true democracy so born. mandela's reign in power 
it's quite a while. Yeah. It's two, at least two terms. And he wasn't a young man when he was no. released from prison. Uh, in fact, he only recently passed away, obviously, just a few years ago. Um, yeah, it was at least two terms. ANC is still governing. I think oh, yeah. ANC is yeah, the, the ANC has become one of the parties that will always govern. Yeah, you know, that's always. true, which yeah. has sort of so become the, its own yeah. problem. Well, because of yeah. Ramaphosa, like, I mean, yeah. the fight is no longer, or the fight, you know, the, the choice is no longer between parties it's within parties it's sort of like yeah. when you know the liberals were, yeah. were unstoppable in or Canada. like you know democratic primaries for the mayor of boston yeah or something. yeah exactly you know, like they're only it, the primary is the only thing that matters the yeah. election is actually yeah so so yeah. yeah with uh with ramaphosa ousting wait i gotta get it zuma zuma, zuma, Jacob yeah, was zuma. zuma. who was yeah. who's between zuma and um, mandela uh I didn't think there was. I thought there, no, there oh, was. was um, Mbeki, Tabo Mbeki. Tabo Mbeki. Excellent. Yeah. Wow, good memory. Um, anyways, yeah. That's all I've really got to say on the election. Yeah. I, I chose it in my mind because, it, you know, it is... Uh, South Africa had been a republic for, for obviously, many, many years. Um, democracy was fairly common to most white South Africans, but a, a democracy of that sort is obviously so limiting. Yes. And, and not, it's not representative of the people... That is supposed to be governing at all, and so it's it's completely illegitimate. And in '94, it became legitimate. I'm not saying South Africa took off yes. afterwards or has never uh, uh, had its struggles as a nation since. But that first step was it, it's the struggles it's having now are very different from the ones it had exactly in '94 yeah. prior to '94 yeah. and through the '80s. Agreed. Um, so yeah, I think it's a nice story. And, and so to kind of backtrack a bit too, it's interesting, the, the level of, or and the fact that there was very little violence by white Africans, yes. mainly white Africans wearing uniforms and in the yes. army yeah. that could have just like had a coup and overthrown de Klerk and they didn't do it, you know, and, and they just, they just, you know, they let it go. Uh, and then. Even more importantly, afterwards, in after '94, with the Truth and Reconciliation uh, commissions and Mandela's approach to Afrikaans, this idea of like, listen, we've got to get along here. I think that is something we might should agree. We should take, think about it, or at least speak yeah. about it a bit more, because I think that is significant. Like, and this, and we, if we're going to assign sort of hero status, and we've already sort of taken it for granted that you oh, know, Mandela's Mandela, a hero here, hero. Yeah. but let's like specifically yeah. talk about why that is not just you know fighting it's not just spending time on robin island but, exactly but, and 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 you know being the first black president of south africa but taking that approach. his approach after yeah. the election was so dignified and without that you would you would not have had the stability because the army was still white yes you know the the bureaucracy was white they could have just overthrown him they could have just had a coup and you know it would have been a nightmare and a bloodbath for sure because now finally black africans get to vote south africans get to vote and now you're going to take it away from us through an apartheid it would have been a nightmare but there it was practically possible and, and i mean and the other option is sort of what what um the the slow disintegration of zimbabwe yeah. where where you get one man rule you know this this playing upon obviously legitimate racial resentments and, but, and but, grievances yeah but you've used that to capitalize You've maximized that so badly yeah. that you've completely pushed the people out that could help you govern, 
and help you transition. And and, and your state has just turned into collapse. You know, collapse. Yeah, 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 it's a festering joke. Yeah, I think South Africa and Mandela's approach. I mean, that is after, such a narrow line that he had to walk. It was incredible, and I think he was. Um, there was people within the ANC and within his inner circle that were. Uh, not comfortable with that. Yeah, was like okay, no, it's the chickens well, and, have come and, home and, to and, roost. And quite now. frankly, I mean, if, I understand that. I, I completely understand I completely that. Understand and that's that. probably would have been my impulse in that situation, I'm not, which is you know, oh, okay, now it's payback time. I think as we sit yeah. here drinking beer in my basement, yeah. we can both agree we are not the man Nelson Mandela is. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair yeah. enough. Fair yeah. enough. No, I mean a remarkable individual. Um, you know, which is why I you know I say I find it in this story to Clark more interesting yeah because I know Mandela is an amazing individual and an yeah. amazing man not just you know for you know the what he went through to get to where he was in 94 but obviously after the election and and you know mending those those fences and incorporating uh, white Afrikaans into his government and in, in into the society uh, but I know that I don't know why de Clark did Everything yeah. he did. I just don't... It's not clear to me. And you. this discussion is just... Isn't how sort of woefully ignorant I am about South Africa and, and apartheid. And yeah, I agree. I yeah. mean, because it was something that was that was going on all the time, you know, on the news as we were growing up. Yep. And then 94 happens and it's like, well, that's fixed. Yeah, you know, exactly. We don't, we don't we need to think on. about yeah. it anymore. South Africa wins yeah. the Rugby World yeah. Cup. It's like, it's like the hole in the... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I, I love that <laughs> yeah. them winning the rugby world cup is really where you, it's all right, where you for, close yeah. the close it's, the case. It's yeah. all done. Yeah, yeah. that's case um, closed. Um But yeah. but you don't have to think it's like the hole in the ozone layer, it's like yeah. you know, deforestation in the Amazon. Yeah, it's like, well, it. done. We fixed one done thing and done. We got that yeah. done. Yeah. Yeah. Um well to some degree we did. I mean, or they did. I mean, one democracy is born, so to speak. One true yeah. democracy is born. But you're gonna talk about a democracy. That was destroyed. Okay, so so we're going to talk about about the the November nineteen thirty three German federal election. So this obviously is one in a series of events. It's the that, final election, is it not? In in the series that had Hitler brought as chancellor. So okay, so it the final election. Before we we muddle yeah. things too much, but let's just say there's there's a series of elections beginning in September nineteen thirty, ending in March. 1933 there's four uh federal reichstag parliamentary elections yeah. and one one presidential election and with each one they take a step towards killing the weimar republic yes. killing yeah. democracy probably the second last one the november 1932 election is probably the most interesting one it's i think it's the, because it's probably the decisive step i think it's the decisive one because it was after correct me if i'm wrong it was after the november 32 election that hitler was appointed chancellor it is so it let's is, let's yeah. let's jump back and okay. let's just set out some context because yep. because this is because this is very confusing this is this is extremely <laughs> I, confusing. I looked into this uh yeah. the other day uh to prepare for the podcast and i almost had to put up like graphs yeah, and charts you, you, on the wall. You really do. So yeah. so I'm just going to I'm just going to give some background information right now about the Weimar Republic. Um you know it's it's political landscape and and its constitutional mechanics to to give some context. Then I want to talk about the various political parties that were vying for power within the republic Certainly. and then we'll go through the the step-by-step timeline and we can we can watch with the we can watch the disaster happen in, yeah. in real time. So so the Weimar Republic is born um out of the ruins of the German Empire that that lost World War 1. It was birthed remarkably quickly 
um, even before um, the armistice had been signed. In fact, the, it was the Weimar Republic that, that signed the armistice. Um, so what happened was, you know, the, the German general staff realized the war was lost. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the triggering event, and this is just an interesting triggering event. We won't delve too far into the details. So the triggering event that caused the revolution that created the Weimar Republic was the German military realized the war had been lost. Members of the German military, even at the lower ranks, realized the war had been lost. The Navy... Yes, it was a navy that it revolted. was a navy mutiny because mutiny. the officers in the I don't know the Kriegsmarine or whatever it wasn't the Kriegsmarine. Well, what I don't think. Yeah, whatever doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we're like we're not going down without a fight. So they were they were about to you go know to sea. go to sea to have one final catastrophic yeah. battle that they knew they were going to lose just because they were crazy. <laughs> World War One fighting Germans with with spikes on their helmets, and the sailors said and the no. sailors said no. The sailors We're said no. So this, this was the Kiel mutiny. Um, anyway, it caused the collapse of of the empire. The Kaiser abdicates. All the royalty within um, within the constituent states within the, the the empire abdicate. They all nip over to Holland. Holland, and, yeah, they all move to the Netherlands yeah, and leave leave the Social Democratic Party essentially holding yeah. the bag to sign. Um, to sign the armistice, which of course is where you get the theory of the, the stab in the back. Right. There was no stab in the back. You know, it was not the socialists. It was not the Marxists who, who killed yeah. the empire or lost the war. The war was lost. Um, and in fact, it was the, the, uh, the military under um, Hindenburg, Paul von Hindenburg, Hindenburg, who was going to play an important part in Very this, who, who was, you know, the, the chief uh, chicken who, uh, yeah. you know, who just quit. copped out and was just like, Oh yeah, yeah here you go. Well, you social yeah. Democrats deal with it. So that's the, the the birth. You can see from the incidents of the birth, you know, it it's got a legitimacy problem right from the very beginning. Yeah. So it's so it's it's got the right, the conservatives, the military who feel that the Weimar Republic is is illegitimate because they uh, they capitulated to yeah. to the Allied powers. At the same time, the revolution that that birthed the Weimar Republic was accompanied by what was called the Spartacist and some other communist revolutions. Uh, hoping to to set up a Soviet state, state in the style of the Soviet Union, which the 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 Social Democrats who were then at that point in charge employed the military and what was called the Freikorps, which is yeah, uh, which this... is a bunch of basically freebooting ex troops yeah. who were who were basically marauding through the country fighting yeah. Marxists where they can. Anyway, the Social Democrats, the socialist, employed these people to put down brutally put down the communist revolts throughout the country. So not only is the right chronically endemically uh predisposed to to you know dislike weimar to, to dislike so, weimar so is so the is left, the, so is the, left. Yeah. Yeah, the the extreme the left communists. so both sides are um are, are opposed to the to this regime on top of this obviously you've got the various problems that that accompanied uh, armistice so you've got reparations you've got hyperinflation yeah. you've got the french occupying the Ruhr and, and all, this, all these things the rhineland demilitarized yeah yeah yeah, you've got the breakup of what was the old German Empire. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, creation you've got Poland, of Poland yeah. Czechoslovakia. Yeah, exactly. So, so there are all these what what is seen certainly by the right as affronts to, to you know German dignity um, and and the Allies making unfair demands upon upon them, especially when they consider that they didn't actually win the war, lose the war. Yeah, in their minds. Yeah. So, so the Weimar Republic is facing all these these external and internal problems by the late twenties. It looks like it's actually managed to uh, turn to things fix a around. lot of them. Yeah, yeah so, so actually... they've, they've worked out a plan for paying back the reparations. Yeah. There's a lot of foreign investment, particularly from the United States, coming in. Yeah. By sort of 28, things are looking pretty good. But something happens. In something happened. Yeah, in 1929. <laughs> in 1929. I'm going to serve you up that yeah, softball. Yeah. The, the Great Depression hits. Yeah. And it hits Germany harder than 
almost all other major powers within within Europe. Hyper so hyperinflation. You've got you've got hyperinflation. You've got an absolute collapse in productive capacity. Um, a, a spike in uh, in unemployment. So yeah. unemployment sort of around thirty percent nationally, but it's higher in other places. Yeah. Production drops by like. 40 42 percent so you know just businesses aren't aren't producing what they used to a lot of the the good times the um the the productive growth throughout the the 20s have been caused by by loans often quite short-term loans from the united states obviously the american banks are in trouble they start calling calling in those banks at the same time you've got a government in charge under under uh, a guy named bruning who is just ideologically philosophically ill-equipped to deal with this kind of crisis, right. and this isn't unique to 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 Germany at this point. It, the same thing happened in Britain. Sure. Britain reacted in exactly the wrong way to to the Great Depression. The same thing happened with uh, with Hoover in the States. They exa- they reacted the wrong way. They stuck to you know very classical liberal policies. It's like tighten our belts. It's yeah. time for austerity yeah. rather than starting you like spend, a New Deal. You spend your exactly way out like of that these Keynesian things, yeah. New Deal thing. Yeah. So yeah. so you've got a government who is just like incapable of reacting to this. So right. so this is this is the historical background. There's a couple of other features I just want to talk about Weimar that that explain part of the problems that that we're going to see when we talk about the elections. The first is the constitution. So the constitution. In terms of you know the amount of freedom it purported to guarantee for members was, was very good. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't sort of the the Bill of Rights section of the Constitution that was the problem. It was more the mechanics of government section sure. that was the problem. So there's two main problems. One is proportional representation. Now so, everybody loves proportional representation these days, yeah. and that's fine. The problem was this was like one for one proportional representation. So if you got one percent of the vote. You got one percent of the seats in the Reichstag, yeah. which is the, which is the parliament. That, so the that, problem with that is weird parties, weird end up little in the, parties. So end you up end in the up, Reichstag. So so through, throughout the life of Weimar, there were forty separate parties represented yeah. at any given time, yeah. or throughout the time um, represented there. These days, I think the G- Germany still has proportional representation, but I think there's like a five percent five percent cutoff. Cut off. Yeah. yeah, any party that can't get above five percent. So, so they learned their lesson on that yeah. one. So, I'll so say that they was, did. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the problems. Yeah. The second problem was presidential power. So it was set up. It wasn't there was there was a president and there was also a prime minister. Yeah, the prime minister was called cha- the yeah. chancellor. It was it was a republic. Uh, the president was not like the American president in that he was sort of. The head of government as well as the head of yeah, state. He's head of state, but he wasn't that. also like say the Italian president who basically has a, a, figurehead. a figurehead role. Yeah. He had he, it was this weird hybrid. He was he was fairly powerful, and one of his main powers, the, the power that's going to be most significant, is under Article Forty Eight of the Constitution. He had the uh, the ability, the president, uh, to rule by decree. So right. he could he could sidestep Parliament for for many many things in states of emergency right. in exceptional circumstances. This was obviously set up just to be sort of a stopgap for for emergency war, things like that. But because uh, Weimar went through so many periods of dysfunction because of all the all the shocks it, it was yeah. enduring, it got used pretty frequently. So it didn't just get used. Uh, the president from 1925 till 34 when he died was was Hindenburg, yeah. the, the, the general. general. Uh, before that, it was uh, a guy named Ebert, who was actually a social democrat. Both of them employed this power okay. so so even before you get hitler taking on dictatorial powers they've already set up um a precedent right. for for sort of non-democratic yeah uh ruling by diktat yeah 
So that's the structure and that's the historical background. So let's just talk about the parties now that we're going to see playing out, fighting for, with right. each other and literally fighting with each yes. other. Because this is one of the interesting things. Every it's, political party also had a fighting had, had wing. Had its own like combative wing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Although the, so, so the Social Democrats were sort of the historical Weimar rulers. You know, yeah, yeah, they were the they ones were, sort of like most associated with, with, the, with the government of yeah. the Weimar Republic. And then you have, of course, communists. The communists. So let's go through them. So, so you've got the social democrats. Social democrats. Who are, who are, and, so, and we would consider those guys pretty mainstream by t- modern standards today. Like, yes. Like they would be, they would seem conservative and, to us and, in our modern ways. And they but, were, they but were, they were very, they were relatively progressive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, I mean, there was a, there was a sort of a flowering of progressive thought during the yeah, Weimar years. Yeah. And they were they were the biggest party for up until uh, up until 1932. They were the largest party in the in the Reichstag. Yeah. So so and they were sort of the center, the bulwark. If any party wanted the the, um, the Weimar Republic to survive, it was Democrats. Them. And they had their fighting wing called the Reichsbanner. Right. Um, probably the, the weakest of the, uh, the yeah the, the fighting wings. But they would get out there and punch yeah. it up a bit yeah. and like literally punch yeah. it up. And yeah. that's probably the problem when you're punch. Anyway, um, communists. The communists. The communists were communists. Um, yeah. Uh, very much. I wouldn't say directed, but under the influence of the Comintern, which is the the yeah. Soviet the Soviet influence. Their communists. fighting wing was called the Red Front Fighting League. Sounds great. Yeah, it does sound great. They've, well, it's got a wing. It's got a. It's got a. It's got a. Some panache. Yeah, it. they've yeah. all got panache to them. That's I, I true. Reichsbanner sounds good. I was actually surprised that. Um, I think they were actually called the the red, black, and gold Reichsbanner because one of the issues that went through was the flag. So when we can talk about right. the conservatives in a second, the old German flag was uh, red, white, and black. Right. That was the imperial flag. But the, the Weimar changed the colors. They used the colors of the old uh, sort of the Frankfurt Parliament of the 19th century. But anyway, uh, so so that was one of those weird symbolic battles that, sure. gosh, people arguing about flags. Yeah. <laughs> that has any resonance How today. Petty. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so you've got the communists. Yeah. Their their popularity grows with the with the the advent of the of the of Great the Depression. Depression. Yeah, yeah. they're they're they are the sort of the party of the unemployed. Yeah. Um, they're they're centered in uh, you know the slums, the working class areas. They're good fighters, but they're, they have a, a tendency not to ally with other groups, particularly the SPD. So there is another party that is the party of working class in theory as well but more shopkeepers clerks things like this people who are hit quite hard by the yeah. 29 depression <clears throat> and that's the national socialist party right the ns nsadp 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 the national socialists so i want i'm going to save them for last Let's, might as well yeah because <laughs> then the, the the other major group so th- sorry there's two other major parties yeah we're really going to do this the let's con- do this the, the conservative party was so it? so there's various conservative parties right. but the basically it comes down to the german national people's party right. it becomes the largest sort of nationalist conservative party right. so they're a bit different from what we're going to talk about with the nazis although they're probably the most closely sort of akin to the the well, nazis and they help them out oh absolutely yeah, yeah. which Anyways, we'll but, get to but, that. But, but their dream is more sort of the, a return to the old empire. You know, sure. they would love to see the Kaiser back. They would love to see military discipline. They mm-hmm. would like to see the Reichstag. A very Prussian, dissolved. Prussian type party. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. 
Um, they had a few fighting wings. Uh, their best known was the Iron Helmets. That's a good hand. It's a good name. The yeah. Iron Helmets. Yeah, I like that. And then the final party before we get to, you know, the big guys, the elephant in the room, is the center party. The center party is the party of Catholicism. It's never an overwhelming, it never becomes the largest party, but it's always a, a solid presence. Very anti-communist. Very anti-communist. Yeah. Um, willing to cooperate with the SPD. It's probably the second most associated with the the, the Republic. But by the, the 1930s, it's, it's less interested in sort of taking national responsibility and it's more interested in its own sectional right. Catholic, Catholic keeping, interest. Keeping yeah. the Catholic Church. So far as I know, they did not have a fighting wing. No, so. probably not. Yeah. And then obviously the last party. The NSADP, the Nazis, yeah. the National the, Socialists. The Nazis, as yeah. they became known as the Nazi Party. So they were never a major player in German politics That's what's interesting. until September 1930. They had seats. They had, in 1924, yep. they won about 30-some-odd seats. That was actually while Hitler was in prison as a result as of, of the uh, beer, hall push. beer Hall Putsch. Yeah. 1928, they dropped down to... Uh, I think it's I think it's l- low double digits, like sort of twelve yeah. or seventeen, like that. But the Great Depression helps them out. The, a the lot. Great Depression helps them out a lot because part of the reason it helps them out a lot: one, many people realize that the sort of the moderate center under under the gentleman Bruning, who I'd been describing yeah. about, is is incapable of dealing with the with the depression. Right. Second reason is the depression causes a huge spike in communist membership and communist activity. Right. By activity, I mean fighting in the streets. Now they aren't necessarily the instigators of it because you've got all these fighting wings out on the street. And in particular, the Brown shirts, the SA, the, uh, the, the Nazis fighting wing. Um, but, but this again, so you've got, you've got a government that doesn't look like it can handle the economics of the situation. You've got a government that doesn't look like it's capable of providing security. Mm -hmm. You've got fear of a, of a communist uprising going on. You've also got the a party that's very good at electioneering, mm-hmm. like is is yeah miles ahead of everyone else in electioneering. Yeah, they're in the, using the airplanes. Yeah. They're using they're using psychological profiling. Mm-hmm. They're 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 directing their their messages, different messages to different social groups. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, obviously, anti-Semitism is is seen as one of the hallmarks of Nazism, rightfully so. Yeah. But but. You know, in in the September 1930 election, which is the first election we're going to talk about, they they weren't using that message on everybody. They were using it on sort of the petty bourgeois, the clerks, the people it it would resonate with. Had a history of anti. But the other thing, they when when they went to talk to sort of the industrial magnates, they would leave that out, and they would they would talk about their their anti Bolshevik credentials as 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 the main message. When they would talk to the uh, conservatives, they would talk a lot of you know, rearmament and, and tearing up Versailles exactly, and, and yeah. increasing the military and going back to, you know, uh, what Germany was prior to 1918. Yeah. So you've got a crisis of confidence in the government caused by the Great Depression. You've got this young, vigorous party yeah. suddenly emerging. So there's a parliamentary Reichstag election in September of 1930. And this is really where, where it starts to happen yeah. because the results of this are the the SDP wins as it yeah. as it was Social was Democrats, almost certainly going yeah. to yeah they they win but the the Nazis go from being like you know 
12 or 17 members to, I think, 107. So all of a sudden, they just burst onto the scene. And, you know, this is sort of like nothing succeeds like success. So all of a sudden, you've got a crisis of confidence and credibility in all these established parties. And all of a sudden, you've got this party that, you know, might have been a little bit wackadoo, you know, five years ago, but suddenly looking good. And then when it's got like, it's a major force, 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 force in the Reichstag, you know, it just, that just bolsters its credibility still further. Hitler, not really willing to play games, you know, forming coalition governments at this point, but has, has made his, his presence felt uh, sure. on, on the scene. Sure. The next election in, in this series is, uh, let me get this straight. Uh, 32. 32. March of 32? Before, no, it's July of 32. But Ju- before that, July before that in, I think it's April or March of 32, there's a presidential election. Right. Which Hitler runs in. Yeah, so it's, and it's, he loses He that. loses that, but he does pretty well. He gets like yeah. 30 some odd percent and he loses to Hindenburg. Now, mm-hmm. Hindenburg is a huge figure. He's sort of like, he's kind of like one of these F.W. de Klerk figures where yeah. it's like, he's, he's, he's just always there. Yeah. And, and I mean, he's like, he's the... He's the hero of the Battle of, Ta- of Tannenberg. Yeah. He's like the head of the general staff during World He's War One. He's immensely popular He's in Germany. hugely popular. Yeah. yeah. Immensely popular and a, a huge historical figure for Germany at, the, at this time. Yeah. And he is their president. Yes. So it's pretty hard for Hitler to beat him in the presidential election. Yeah. But you're right. They do have a good showing. Yeah. yeah. I mean... It was, it was thirty some odd percent. So, yeah. so again, it was it was you know it was sort of like the September election. It doesn't bring him to power, but it shows that he's a credible force yeah. on the on the political scene. Next election is July that summer yeah. of thirty two. Uh, they win. They go from one hundred and seven to I want to say two hundred and thirty seats. Sure. So again, they're going up at this point. This I believe is when they're the largest party in the right. And this is the move that Hitler wants uh, Hindenburg to appoint him as chancellor, I believe. Hitler wants Hindenburg to appoint him as chancellor. Hindenburg doesn't really like Hitler. No. no. Hindenburg is an old conservative man. And Hitler's like this little Bavarian corporal. Yes, this kooky dude. And his party is just full of crackpots and losers and, and and violent yeah the most demigods. disreputable uh, yeah these are like thugs yeah. these are violent thugs that are rolling around beating people up and this is pretty deplorable stuff in yeah. Germany in so, the early thirties. So the guy, the guy Hindenburg does choose is actually um, I don't even know that he had a seat in the Reichstag because this is one of the quirks of, of the Weimar Constitution is yeah. that you could your chancellor and your cabinet it was it could be responsible to. The Parliament, Reichstag, or, or it could be it, responsible to the president, the or it president. could be responsible for both. Yeah. Basically, Hindenburg, who's ruling through decrees at this point, right? right? He's he's you know he's not getting the Reichstag to part, pass laws. Basically, sidelines the Reichstag altogether and just right. says, "Okay, I am appointing what was known as the the cabinet of barons." So it's okay. a guy named von Papen. Papen, yeah, and a bunch of you know um, magnates and bigwigs and industrialists and, right. and generals. So so no connection to to this very turbulent society, this society that looks like and feels like it's falling apart around yes. itself. So, so it is this sort of aloof sort of patrician government is, is ruling things and not ruling things terribly well. So the elections in July, the next election is November of 32. Right. And this is interesting because the Nazis lose seats in this. They election, lose seats in this election, yeah. but it's actually the election that secures their place. Yeah. And it secures their place not because of the electoral outcome, but actually because of the the behind the scenes wheeling and dealing 
that gets Hitler that, that gets that gets him uh, appointed as chancellor. Appointed as chancellor, and in fact, the reason he's appointed as chancellor, or one of the reasons he's appointed as chancellor, is because he didn't actually do that well in the uh, in the November election. The feeling being amongst von Papen and um, and Hindenburg and Hindenburg and, and this he'll, whole he'll set of safe. conservatives is that he's been, sort of been defanged. Yeah. At this point, we can bring him in. Because what they were looking for was, they had this this patrician clique, basically, ruling the government with no connection to the people, no sense of legitimacy. Yeah. They wanted a guy with a mass movement. So and he, the Hitler had a mass movement. And they wanted the mass movement that was the counterbalance to the communists. Exactly. Because yeah. the Nazi party, as mm, distasteful as they were, and they were, they were less distasteful than the communists. One well, they, they, the they old, weren't promising revolution. Exactly. Yeah. One thing the old guard wanted was the Communist Party. Nobody's, wanted. nobody's, yes, nobody's property was going to be expropriated. Exactly. Sorry, under the sorry. Nazi Party. Let me, let me Eventually, say that. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. So no, they thought. Yes. <laughs> none of none of the people who were making these decisions property was going to be uh, expropriated under the Nazis. Exactly. While while obviously they were they were in the the sights of the of the of the communists. Yeah. Exactly. So the idea was. That um, that we had this defanged Hitler and von Papen thought he was a pretty clever dude. We'll control him. Yeah, we'll we we'll we'll him. we'll control him. So he was brought in. He was brought into a cabinet. He was made chancellor, mm-hmm. but it was mostly a cabinet of conservatives. The only positions that um, the Nazis held were chancellor, minister of the interior, a guy named Frick. Yeah. And Goering, who was a minister with no portfolio, that's right, but was the minister of interior in Prussia. Now, I don't want to get into exactly how federalism worked at this point, yeah. but basically, um, von Papen had basically organized a coup within Prussia. Sure, within so it's almost as if like there was a coup within Ontario, like like Trudeau yeah, yeah, yeah. organized a coup, coup in Ontario when the RCMP. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So Goring had this yeah. bizarre power. But the, the important thing is, kids, if you want to take over a government yeah. and you're only offered a few key spots, Minister of the Interior. It's a big one. It's a you big, get the police. You get the police, right. So by this stage, you've got, as you said earlier, all the parties have their own little, they have their muscle. Yeah. And the, the Nazis actually ended up having two sort of muscle. Yes. Uh, one bigger than the other. The SSA, the SA was their main one. The brown shirts. The brown shirts. But there was another um, uh, group that was more loyal directly to Hitler, yeah. less to the party, and that was the SS. Right. And so these guys start finding their way into policing roles. Well, so this <laughs> is the importance of Goering yes. in, in Prussia. He actually sets up a parallel police force staffed by SS and SA men. I can't remember what it's called, but uh, yeah, yeah, well, it's unbelievable, is what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, this it's, happens. Yes. So it's interesting that these formerly sort of peripheral law enforcement agencies suddenly yeah. take on this new this new uh, importance. So this is uh, the election. So sorry, where are we at? We're in September okay, so of thirty-two now. So, uh, November of thirty-two is the election, right? Hitler is sworn in as chancellor in January of thirty-three. Right. So it took him that long to to, to convince them to, to, get to, this to, to convince happen. them, like all the all the back scenes wrangling. Yeah. But the thing is, obviously, he was not sidelined by. Oh the, no, no, he was not. Yes. He quickly. They have another election in March of thirty-three. March of thirty-three, and this is this is the end of the line. Yeah. So, because the the elections in early March, but in February twenty-seventh, 
The Reichstag fire. Reichstag fire, which is followed immediately, and this is why the you know the the presidential decree power is important by the Reichstag fire decree, which yeah. which basically um, obviates, uh, constrains, eliminates yeah. uh, civil rights right. for for Germans, and it's used to round up communists and and socialists yeah. and uh, and and detain them. Which is important for the election, obviously, because they're they incapable of voting. They they're incapable run. of voting. They're incapable of running. running. So you end up with uh, with the election in in March of March thirty three, where again they never win a majority. No, they don't. And this it's is crazy. Forty four percent is they, as high as they, they have get. rounded up almost all of their adversaries, uh, all of the main political leaders, a lot of the voting populace, and they still don't really win a majority. The Nazis no. don't. Uh, but it don't matter. No, it doesn't matter. By this stage, you know, the ball has started rolling downhill. The March 33 election is almost immediately followed by what's called the Enabling Act. And this really is the coup de grace. This is like Weimar's lying on the ground and Hitler walks up and puts two in its head. Yeah. Because the Enabling Act was the most incredible act of political cowardice by everybody except actually the SPD, who declined to vote for exactly. it. Exactly. And uh, the communists who were in prison and weren't able to vote for it. Yeah. But everybody else in the Reichstag who were meeting in an opera house because obviously the Reichstag had just burned down, voted for this act that gave Hitler dictatorial powers for four years. Yeah. Just, they, they just basically voted themselves out of existence. When did Germany have another election? Well, actually, they had a few elections <laughs> yeah. after that, but it was they all have... it was all like, oh, do you want to vote for the Nazi party or the Nazi party? Yeah. When did they have another competitive election? Christ, when was it? 48? Probably. 50? 50s, I yeah. think. 52 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So 33, and that's the end of it. Yeah. Uh, Hitler never looks back from this. No. Uh, Hindenburg dies uh, yeah. in 34. Hitler takes on the presidential yeah. powers, but at this point, it's all, it's I would all say, it's academic. It's, it's not all, academic. yeah, the... The position of chancellor and president are sort of melded into one super power. Yeah. He holds it and never lets go. It's a slow, painful descent. But uh, so there's a lot of things happening uh, at this time up to the 33. Because you're right, 33 is the bullet in the head. Yeah. There was probably still some whimpers in 32 uh, from between the 32 elections. So if, if the SPD and the communists could have got together. Sure. Join. They wouldn't. They probably couldn't have done anything constitutionally. It right. would have been fighting in the street. Yeah. The the SPD though, because Weimar was their baby. Yeah. Like they wrote the constitution, or they were you know crucial yeah. in, in drafting the constitution. They were so afraid to act extra constitutionally. Right. Whereas they were the Nazis also, were none too. No, and and this that. is it. So I I find this fascinating because because when i mentioned i wanted to do this election you were like right we can you know kick a hole in the notion that uh that the nazis were elected yeah which isn't really true they were well they weren't elected in that they never won the majority in a in an election but they they did well enough in elections they came to power constitutionally agree right? like their their, yeah. their road to power was legitimate was legitimate yeah as soon as they got there everything they did afterwards was illegitimate. Was, was illegitimate and it's very strange like the party that was more willing than anyone else to just tear it all up except maybe the communists um now i think probably more willing to just tear it all up than the communists was dedicated to achieving power uh constitutionally and this was hitler's plan all along yeah. he was explicit after the beer hall putsch after he got out of prison in 24 we legitimize ourselves. he said this is the way we're going to we're going to achieve. Power. Well, and this is how he after thirty three he gets the army to guarantee there won't be a coup 
is he gets rid of the SA or yeah. gets led of the, the long knives. Night of the long knives gets rid of most of the major leadership in the SA that are really they, crazy. I mean the SA well the okay I mean I don't want to I don't want to yeah like do yeah. do, do, do comparisons a, a, a hierarchy, hierarchy of, of, of insanity insanity within the Nazi movement yeah but the SA are thugs they're, they're straight up crazy thugs. street fighting thugs and, and the army hates them yes and the army doesn't want them and so I think Hitler kind of buys off the army by saying listen we'll get rid of these guys don't worry about it uh we'll, we'll start rearming uh you know we'll tear up versailles all of this will happen and the army kind of lets it happen you know yeah. this is our the army had you know is a at that time was still an institution in germany well, everybody lets it happen the center party lets it happen yeah the center, well, the center party, party, lets party helped yeah exactly supported them in the reichstag yeah because because you know hitler gave them vague assurances that yeah. no no you know we'll uh we'll reach some sort of concordat with the with the pope yeah we'll we'll you know we won't go after your very specific catholic interests right yeah. this is what i was saying about like the center party had its one yeah it, it used to one trick in, pony. in the start of the of weimar it was much more a national party in national in the sense that it was concerned about you know the well-being of the nation by the end it's concerned about catholic well-being within the nation right um but yeah i mean everybody the the spd gets it gets hung up on norms and you know yeah, uh yeah. and and the, and the constitution and legality and, and democracy just goes out with a whimper oh it, yeah it just it just i mean it, it turns itself in like yeah. it's just like you know but there's so many things that happen in that time period that are that are I'm not a directly related to these elections, but influence them so much. Yeah. And, and this is, you know, I like to talk a bit about that too. So suppression of the press. Yeah. You know, the violence, uh, you know, there was uh, a, a, quite a free and robust uh, fourth estate in Germany. Suppression in the 1920s. of the press predates Hitler though. Like Weimar yeah, was, was suppressing the press before before Hitler not to the, not degree, to the same extent. because like, no, he would no. go right in and shut down these newspapers shut them there was like, yeah people would be, and find their like they would be in concentration camps or they'd be gone it just wouldn't exist anymore um you the violence between the parties is all is fairly similar for sure they all have their fighting wings um the very obviously the Nazi party excellent at, at finding a scapegoat and finding an enemy and uniting people against yeah. it. Um, it's really a sad, um, it, it's really sad because you say, I think of Weimar, uh, quite positively. Personally, I do. I do. I did until researching this. So I think, I think sort of Weimar society, or at least, you know, the yeah. Berlin society that we think yeah. about this flowering of art, you know, and, yeah, the, and, the coffee house scene, yeah. the cabarets. Yeah, absolutely. Politically, I think it, it was going to die whether Hitler was there or not. Really? Yeah. So. I mean, by 33 or by 32, the military, there were several schemes afoot within, really? you know, the higher reaches of okay. the military to take control of the government. Now, it wasn't that once taking control of the government, you weren't going to end up with a Nazi government. No, you were going to end up with an, a sort of a traditional authoritarian, yeah, exactly, yeah. authoritarian government. Yeah. Um, you might reinstate the Kaiser or something. To this right. Effect. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's institutions. It, it just lacked broad-based legitimacy right. from from everybody yeah. i mean and it was a crisis of confidence right and uh, yeah i don't know would it would it have it seems to me that it was the reichstag had been sidelined even before the hitler came to power right. so you already had hindenburg ruling by decree 
for almost everything. Now he would do it. He did it under two consecutive um, chancellors. He did it under Brüning, and he did it under uh, von Papen, yeah. where you know von Papen would say, "This is what we need to do," or Brüning would say, "This is what we need to do," and uh, and, and and Hindenburg, Hindenburg would, would issue, do it. issue yeah. the decree. Yeah. So already you're you're like you've lost democratic legitimacy. Um, you already had um, repression. You had violence on the street. The, the the military had no faith in it. I think I think it was a it was a, a rotten corpse by what? by the mid thirties or sorry by the early thirties. Regardless, you have a, a situation that happens in thirty three with <clears throat> you know the the end of any be it a bad democracy yeah uh, a bad republic. Uh, you have an election that snuffs out mm. democracy and freedom in Germany for almost half a generation. You know, for yeah. 10, well, 10, I mean, for East years. Germany, for, for East until... Germany, for for a full generation, yeah. if not more, yeah, uh, and obviously, you know, plunges the world into a into another world conflict. Um, the um, it's sad to see. So we can talk a bit now. I think about maybe drawing some modern parallels. Oh, it was so hard reading about this, and not, not to, to like assign it. characters like modern it's so characters easy. to you know, the you people you're it, reading. You about. see. The you know the you know you know the creating villains in the press with the, with journalism creating villains within uh, your society in order to line people up to to target people in yeah. your society uh, the the lack of rule of law you know the 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 courts just don't really play a role in in these elections they don't they just sort of stamp things that they need to do um, you don't. You know, or the and the rule of law, like the leader can pretty much do what he wants. I mean, the Night of Long Knives, Hitler over three day period kills, you know, ninety some people. Yeah, uh, that's fine. I can. So do what there, I there want. is a role for the courts in this. I, I didn't talk about it that much, but it's actually some of the most influential events that sort of swung public opinion and swung, you know, the opinion right. of crucial actors were trials of Nazis and um, communists. For their various for violent, violent like their altercations, yeah. yeah. But I mean, <clears throat> so so the police were almost universally on the side of either you know the Iron Helmets, the the Nationalists, yeah. or or the Nazis, and against the Communists, of or, course, or the, yeah. even even the Reichsbanner, which were the SPD, yeah. um, SDP, Social Democrat, yeah, SDP, Social, yes, yeah. Social Democratic Party. The courts don't seem to be. I don't know enough about what the what the state of the courts like it, it, before the Nazis come to power. The the courts seem to be reasonably. They will try people, yeah. yeah but yeah. By after the Nazis come to power, that's yeah, yeah. the end of it. Yeah, um, yeah. It's I, I don't want to go too far into it, but I do think it's important for any of our listeners to listen closely to what you've said and how this how Germany got to this point. And I would I would focus less on the actions of the Nazi Party. Than actually the actions of those parties that could have stopped, could it, have stopped, this. but didn't for I, for I, a failure of confidence, a failure of will, you know, or because they thought they were pretty clever political operators and were going to game the system. Exactly. Yeah. You can't game people like this. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the thing, right? I mean, Hitler was, although a liar and and so on, but I mean, his he he was never shy about stating his aims. Yeah. And his aim, he did what he said he was going to do. Yeah. And that, you know, I've heard people speaking of present leadership around the world today, speaking about, well, you know, I don't, I don't say I like him, but he's, he, he's doing what he says he's going to do. Yeah. yeah, that's not a good thing. If the thing that he's going to do is 
you know, is, you know, is so deplorable, you know, suppression of rule of law, targeting minority groups, things of this nature. Uh, that's not, you know, campaigning on these things and then doing them doesn't make you better because you told the truth. The, but the thing is, and, and you know, I'm not going to be the apologist for, you know, the German elector in, in you know, 1932 yeah. or something like that. But or, or let's say, let's take September 1930, which is yeah. the, the first election where they, they win big. When you've got peer to be sort of sclerotic, dithering, ineffectual parties. Of course. Versus this vigorous, direct yeah. you, party. You, and it speaks to you. Yes. It's exactly. telling you what yeah. you want to hear. You know, things are broken. We can fix it. I understand you, uh, you know, I'm one of you. Yeah, and, and the Nazis in none nature. of these elections put forward any, like, very definite or clear policy No, it was very proposals. much bumper sticker politics. Yeah, yeah, it was like, exactly. you know, one-line statements. Even Hitler's speeches, as fantastic as they are if you watch them today, they don't say anything. Yeah. You know, they don't, they're just a bunch of fluff, like a bunch of yelling and But, but I think I think the point is that if you're going to stand up to, to politics of this style, you need to offer a definite and positive alternative. I agree. It can't just be a, oh man, you can't say that. Or it yeah. can't just be a, you know, a, an entirely negative, this guy's got to be stopped yeah. because that doesn't work. You need to get people to rally around because if it's just, this guy's got to be stopped, yeah. everyone's going to break up into their own factions and it just, it doesn't, it doesn't cohere, right? It doesn't, it doesn't act as an adhesive to and you bring need, people together. And you need, people need to take an active role in their democracy. Yeah. You know, in their democratic system. Um, and, and people, I'm not saying people weren't voting in 1930s oh, the, Germany. So the turnouts, turnouts were, were great. in their 80s. Yeah, yeah. An impressive voter turnout. But they weren't, there was no active role at a level that, you know, with all the back room playing that was going on, there was no way for anyone to have So any this is one of there. the theories after the war, sort of, uh, I think it was a guy named Mumpson. Um, a historian, you know, he was in German, uh, sort of trying to figure out how on earth did this happen. Yeah, uh, uh, and and he sort of, I think he proposed this view that that Germans are essentially sort of in their national character non-political. Right. I don't know if that's true because when you look at, you know, I mean, party membership was in the was in the millions, right? I mean, yeah. for, for taken taken together, and and I mean, parties were more like movements. Parties in Germany were more than just, you know, dedicated to the political. If you were if you were an, uh, a social democrat, you would, you know, go to a social democrat pub, you know, sing in a social yeah, democrat right. choir. choir. Like that would be, yeah. you would read the social democrat newspaper. Yeah. Um, and you would fight with the Reichsbanner, yeah. potentially. Yeah. And, the, and the same thing with, with the other, with the other groups. So I think people were involved. Um, I, I think they were, but they weren't at a level because there's so much backroom dealing at such a senior yes. level. And, you know, the, you know, the spotlight on that wasn't what we could have today, yeah. you know, and the level of engagement wasn't where we could have it today. Um, I think there's a lesson in that. And, and, I and you, you sort of, you sort of watch your democracy just bleed away. Yeah. And just kind of slowly. I mean, the, 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 the contemporary equivalent to what I was describing about party membership and, and all its attributes is kind of like, yeah, I'm the guy who goes on and, you know, tweets. Or, or yeah. retweets, you know, yeah, yeah. Trump because I'm a Trump guy, or yeah, you yeah. know, Bernie because I'm a Bernie but it's guy. Not, but that's not actually. It's not engagement. Yeah. It's not yeah. the type of engage the meaningful engagement in your in your democracy. Um, yeah, we could probably go on all night. Yeah, yeah. on this topic, but uh, yeah, a good choice. I think a, a thoughtful one, considering what we're seeing uh, with with democracies around the world yeah. today, uh, and a good 
you know, uh, even with South Africa, we have uh, a wonderful display, an odd display by de Klerk. Who knows why he did what he did, but, you know, incorporating uh, a more universal suffrage in, in South Africa and then a response by Mandela not to resort to violence, but to embrace that and create a, you know, more whole democracy in, in the Republic. And then on the opposite side, the exact opposite. Yeah. You know, because you're right. After 33, I mean, a lot of these social Democrats were were dead. Like, yeah. Just didn't well, the go communists into, were certainly dead. The communists the were dead, and a lot of the socialists f- yeah. found their and then, own, and then were ultimately were yeah. ultimately found their way into concentration yeah. camps. So, uh, you know, this is no joke. Uh, you know, so these are interesting bookends to each other yeah. of elections to places you can go. And we got to think up a new topic for the next one. We do. I don't think we can top this one. This yeah. tonight was this is gold, buddy. Well, we'll come up with something. We will. We'll come up with another top five, I guarantee it. And we'll actually do five. Let's try that. Yeah, let's see. Let's, let's try see that out for, for a refreshing... Uh, I like it. Yeah. Uh, happy Canada Day, my man. It is Canada Day. It is yeah. Canada Day. And um, best wishes to uh, Messi and Ronaldo on yeah. their, their flights home. On their flights home from the World yeah. Cup. It's so tragic. <laughs> Have a good night, everyone. Yeah.